Welcome listeners, my name's Les Thomas from unpaved.com.au. Today I have the pleasure of chatting to the one and only Dal Sinke, a St Kilda-based singer-songwriter and collaborator of note ahead of his upcoming City Country Tour. Well, it's great to join you, Dal Sinke. Uh, it looks like you've got a lot of plans coming up um, in the very near future. Um, but uh, although we've met a few times, um, I'm really yet to get my head around the full Delsinki story. Um, can you fill myself and the listeners in on um, how Delsinki came about? Of course. Hi. Sorry, Liz. Thanks for having me and thanks for the chat. Um, mate, I, yeah, I played in a band called Gretchen Lewis years ago. In 2010, we released an album. We were sort of a, um, you know, a Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, Red Hot Chili Peppery kind of influence band. And we wrote a comic book with our first album. Our first album was called Issue One. And we, we um, wrote and uh, had it uh, drawn up, this comic book that went along with the album. And one of the, we all had characters. Uh, in the in the storyline, mm. and the the sort of the main protagonist was uh, a cowboy called called Delsinki. Uh, so when I left the band, I'd set up a thing called Delsinki Records, which was what I was going to, um, you know, we were going to put the Gretchen Lewis stuff out under, and um, we we just did it independently. We didn't wind up using that name. So then when I went to do my own thing, I just called myself Delsinki Records because I had the web address. So oh, wow. <laughs> really. Yeah, not really anything um, that exciting about it. And then after a little while, I guess that was 2012 when I did my solo thing. And then um, in 2017 or, yeah, late 2017, just before I put out my first album, um, I, I lost the records and just went under Del Sinky. So that's how it came about. Cool. And um, listening to your releases in that time, um, you, you've kind of uh... – uh, re- release music across the heavy end of the spectrum all the way through roots, um, gypsy-sounding music or jazz, country, uh, folk and so on. Um, there seems to be no end to really um, uh, the terrain that you're, you, you're keen to explore. Well, yeah, my, my mate Roger Grierson, he's... Uh pigeonholed me as uh, and uncategorizable, which is um, a word that I do like, even though obviously, you know, it's nothing like what's truly original in this day and age. There's not much, but it is just with this project. It's like, I've never, it's, it's fun to not have any boundaries with what sort of style you do. Although it does become a bit of a pain in the bum when you go for a festival application or whatever, and they want to, they've got their, you know, their drop down menu of, you know, eight uh, genres and you don't really, you know, you're a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that. And, hmm. But, um, it, yeah, I, I sort of, I guess when I started doing um, the project, uh, it was like in my head as an art project is something that I'd go, cool, I'm just going to go where the wind blows, you know. Hmm. And um, collaboration has been a really big part of all the music that I've recorded. Yeah. So that influences songs as well and once again we've sort of just not tried to work pretty closely with Cameron McKenzie he produces all my stuff and um, yeah we've just sort of 
you know, treated every track as its own standalone track. And um, it's been a lot of fun. But having said that, uh, after the album that I just put out uh, in February, City Country, which is why I'm doing the coming up, the show's coming up in support of that, uh, I've got a, a bag of songs that are being worked on now. And I do plan to um, record with one, you know, do some collaborations with vocalists and, and writing and stuff, but record with the one band and the same people and, and do the, uh, the more traditional way of, of recording an album, go into the studio for a week or two and, you know, track everything and and yeah. then, you know, work it that way as opposed to sometimes a lot of the tracks that we've done, we've, you know, started off with a vocal and an acoustic and then built it with the band around it. So mm-hmm. it's sort of done it backwards, but it's been fun. Yeah, yeah, cool. And, um, you know, collaboration seems such an important um, part of all of your work. Um, is that a key to um, writing the songs, uh, the inception of songs as well? Yeah, well, I've written, look, the album, to use that, the album City Country that just come out is a good example of there's 10 songs on there and I think I collaborated on four of them. So I wrote six on my own and, and the four that I collaborated with, um, you know, other songwriters. Um yeah, just, I don't know, it's sort of just worked out that way. So it's, that's about usually the ratio. It's sort of, you know, fairly, you know, a reasonable chunk of, of just my own self slaving away with the pen and paper and then, um, you know, a, a fairly good portion of it, you know, sharing the load with other people and um, and having somebody else's influence on, you know, on the, uh, the actual writing, which is I find it really um, inspiring and invigorating. Yeah, yeah. Um- and you also uh, seem to have a real orientation towards projects um, from Songs in the South, Sing a Song of Sixpence, Keep the Circle, and so forth. Uh, can you tell us about um, how, how projects fit into the world of Delsinki? Yeah, well, once again, it, uh, Keep the Circle Unbroken was born, uh, born around, you know, the whole COVID thing and us being locked down and it was an idea um, from one of the band members of Rogeri Crow to, to do something in the vein of the Nitty Gritty Dirt band Will the Circle Be Unbroken and after sort of having a bit of a look at that from the suggestion um, I just got excited to, to put it together so that was sort of that but you know the other songwriter nights that that uh, that I'm sort of putting together Sing a Song of Sixpence being the, the, the later one uh, was just an offshoot of Songs in the South, which was a traditional um, format singer-songwriter evening, which was inspired by your singer-songwriter evening, which was unpaged. And um, we spoke about this briefly at a, at a gig. You booked me. I played with – it was a Monday night at the – was it at the Old Bar? I can't remember. Was it the Old Bar? Yeah, Indeed. the Old Bar. And um, I played with Christopher Coleman and Gus Rigby, the sax player from Fools. And yeah. um, and I can't think who was the other set. But after doing that gig, um, that you booked me for, I because I think you finished up a month or two later with that. You had other stuff on the go, whatever, and then so a couple of years later, I that's when I put together Songs of the South using basically your format, and um, mm. it was a really, you know, um, it was a, a good thing that was happening because there wasn't a lot of music happening over in the South. There's obviously a lot of music happening, but there wasn't a lot of original, you know, songwriter. Um, supporting sort of shows or, or nights that were, that were happening over here in the south, and and um, 
that ran up until COVID. So that ran for about five years, Songs of the South. And in the last couple of years, Joyce Pressure came on board and she helped with, um, you know, booking people and, and organising it. And, mm. yeah, it was really good. And then, you know, and then after doing that for the, you know, in 2019, I decided I wanted to um, – do an evening that you know incorporated because I play with so many really great musicians who aren't actually songwriters, and I mm. wanted to incorporate musicians into the evening and the process as well because you know um, for some songwriters they don't need any accompaniment because they're, they're very special people they can um, set something up and have this and they can capture a moment which doesn't need any accompaniment but sometimes. You know, there's songwriters where uh, having somebody, a company who has a really musical feel or can bring a lot of musicality to the song, it's just really magic to watch. And when that happens, it's uh, it's really special. And and that was what made me um, kick off um, Sing a Summer Sixpence. And I think I just basically tried to come up with as many S's for the titles as I could accidentally. <laughs> nice work. Um, yeah, it, it, it's... Uh... It occurs to me that um, in each of those these projects, you, you have, you know, a great deal of consideration for audience experiences, um, creating memorable, uh, dare we say, magnificent experiences. So, do you, do you have a um, an attitude around what constitutes a good show? Yeah, well, I guess every show's its own thing, isn't it? And I, I think with, especially with, because Songs in the South um, was, you know, traditional on a stage setup, And then after having done Keep the Circle Unbroken in the round on the floor with a full band and having the audience members sit around us, um, I, I put a tour together for, for Sing a Song of Sixpence, which was the songwriter night. We did the same thing. We, we uh, did the circle in, in the centre of the floor at most of the gigs. Um, and it was a really, uh, it's just a special thing. It's, and having an audience sit around you, um, going back to a traditional stage does feel odd after you've had the, um, the experience of, you know, music and joy with, with um, you know, people sitting behind you and in front of you and to the side of you. Mm. So, you know, I think, but then, yeah, having said that, you go and see a really fantastic show on a stage and that's, you know, you can have a really special night that way too. So I guess it's just, yeah, every every show is its, its own standalone thing and I think it's just, you know, to try and, I don't know, speak about it really basically, you, you start to get a feel for, you know, lighting and sound and, and just, yeah, whatever the room is and trying to, you know, set the room up so that people walk in and they have a space that they feel um, somebody is in control of and that they can just sit there and, you know, yeah. let the, um, the music or the performance wash, wash over them, you know, effortlessly, goodness me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the last show that I um, managed to uh, catch up with you at was Joyce Pressure's single launch for Sleep Now um, a, a bit over a, maybe a couple of weeks ago now um, in a beautiful... Uh, band room at George mm. Lane and um, it kind of got me thinking about the history of music in St Kilda you know it's, it occupies pretty much the same building as the Crystal Ball, Ballroom um, yeah. do you think that uh, you know where, where are things at on the south side of Melbourne and uh, do you think that 
things might have changed a little bit in terms of the relationship across Melbourne between different musicians in the north and the south and so on? Yeah. Oh, look, I think for a long time the south has, has taken a bit of a hit with, you know, venues closing down. For me it was when the Duke of Windsor in Paran shut down and then, you know, there was a whole bunch of bars. Obviously the SB went through a, a long period of time there where it wasn't operational and um, – even places like Dogs Bar, which, you know, sort of when it was being run by Ga- – I've not been down there since the new owners have it, and I'm sure it's really great. But when Gavin and Sonia had it, it was, you know, a real sort of hub and and uh, just a great spot for people to play live music. And I think the guys, Lockie and the guys at the George, have, um, have done a really, really great job with that band room. It's a, it's, it's a fantastic room, and it's about 115 capacity, so it's, it's a really great room for – you know, uh, mid-level bands, you know, people that might not be able to put 500 people in the Gershwin room, you know, mm. or go to Memo and, you know, sell 450 tickets, which can be hard for a lot of acts. Mm. But, you know, you can go to the George and there's a 100-person room. So it's, it's a good vibe. And the North has a lot of those venues already. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think there is probably now, and if there is another couple of venues start to pop up over here in the South, there's going to be uh, much more crossover between the north and the south. I think it still probably is a little bit, you know, uh, other side of the river. People, you know, it's a big effort to, to you know get sorted. But um, mm. but yeah, I think it's going to. Um, I think it's going to with with the right attitudes from people, you know, uh, uh, setting up venues. I think we're going to see a little bit more of it, and I think it's going to start to fl- uh, flourish a little bit more over here in the south, and and uh, you know. The people in the north will be wanting to, um, you know, to uh, cross the river for something good. Hopefully, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, that brings me to another question. You've you've got this city country titled album. You've um, been accumulating experiences playing in M- Melbourne and um, everywhere from uh, Malakuta down to you know um, Port Ferry. Um, what what's it been like as a performer um, putting on shows to people um, well and truly outside of Melbourne? Is that a really different experience? Yeah, it is. And it's been really good because, you know, the two major tours that I did in the last, so there was one in March of 2021 and then there was this this year, January and February, and yeah, there was both times were sixteen dates across regional Victoria, and um, the 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 energy and the vibe out in the regions at the moment is really um, once again inspiring. Just going down, I'll use the Malacuta example. We went down to Malacuta in January for the six months tour, and um, we would apply at the Mudbrick Pavilion, and mm. I think we'd sold about seventy or eighty tickets, which was great. But um, people were worried about at that time, there was still, you know, the COVID cloud looming. So it was good weather. And um, the guys down at Music Victoria Far East, which is, um, you know, based in Mallacoota, uh, and um, they they basically banded together and said, look, we might be able to do this. Uh, that's Jesse and Katie that are down there in Mallacoota. And they said, look, we might be able to do this outside. So they spoke, you know, they rallied together and they got a really fantastic PA set up. Mm. out the front of the Mudbrick Pavilion and, you know, cordoned off the, the area so that people, you know, um, to, to get in and out with tickets. And they just sort of really, at the 11th hour, 
you know, put on this really, really great setting. And it was just great to see all the townspeople um, rally together for them, like just to get it all done. We felt, you know, really privileged to be able to do that. And, you know, obviously they were able to sell more tickets then because it was outside, so people weren't worried about COVID. Mm. And it was just a good vibe, man, as in like that that stuff doesn't happen all the time. And it's just, Mm. I think, Mm. at the moment, being through what everybody's been through for the last, you know, couple of years, it's a really special time. It's a hard time at the mm. moment, but it's a, mm. it's a good time. You know, people, there's still lots of reasons why people aren't going out and, and doing mm. things. But, um, but yeah, it's a, you know, it's going to be a slow building process. But, yeah, out in the regions is, is really, um, it's, a, it's a fun place to be at the moment. Fantastic. Well, um, yeah, I'm really excited to um, get along to uh, the, the Melbourne show when possible. Um, but, yeah, just maybe one final um, sort of question, you know, uh, you, you, you have, um, you know, this, this built-up experience now over what's been a tough couple of years. Um, what, what would you say um, are the things that have probably kept you going through this? Uh, I really don't know. It's just a thing where I guess like a shark or something, you just feel the need to keep moving forward. Um, so I'm not really sure. Once again, I think connection with people possibly is, is, a, is a, a factor that's made me want to do things because I actually quite enjoy talking to people and picking up the phone and, and when organising things, there's a, there's a, a really nice uh, feeling that comes with, you know, um, you know, doing shows with people, I guess. So it's sort of, I think maybe, yeah, maybe collaboration is the thing that sort of uh, kept me going through, you know, through the last couple of years. But we've all, I think everybody had the same thing, you know, where it was peaks and troughs and you'd have, you'd have times where you thought, you know, I can do this, I can push forward, I can do whatever. And then you'd have other times where you think, what's the point? You want to throw your hands in the air and just go, I'll just have a little sit down here, I think, for a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's been obviously a bit of a roller coaster. So, so yeah. But yeah, I th- I think uh, you know the power of optimi- optimism is an amazing thing, and you know you can see it and experience in people's faces. It shows that they are, you know, I would say very grateful. I certainly got that sense at Port Ferry, um, and other shows. So yeah. More power to your work and great to chat today, Craig. Thank you, Liz. I really appreciate the chat, mate, and uh, I look forward to, you know, seeing you uh, in uh, a bar, be it in the north or the south, mate, so we can have a beer. Beautiful. Okay. All the best. Catch you real soon. Thanks. Okay.